This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to have a special episode today where we have our um, recent crossover I did with Jared Mueller on the OBR Daily Podcast that is uh, up on its own feed, and I will make sure to reference it. If you're not subscribing to that channel, I want to make sure you do. I usually join it once a week, so if you have time, go over and join, uh, follow, subscribe, the OBR Daily Show with Jared Mueller. Um, just wanted to share a recent interview I had there because I think it I think it harkens well back to uh, the interior defensive line week we're having here at the OBR, which make sure you're joining the OBR if you can because we're giving you exclusive looks inside uh, position groups, rumors, all of that film review. We just put up Jordan Elliott's rookie film review for subscribers only. And uh, we talk about safeties, overall fixing the defense, some philosophical stuff too. So hopefully you do enjoy this. It gives you an idea of what that podcast looks like. And uh, go ahead and subscribe to it too. So hopefully you enjoy. Let's get over to that interview now with Jared Mueller. All right, folks, welcome into the combined OBR podcast tonight. I am your host along with Jake Burns. I am Jared Mueller. Uh, Jake, man, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Hanging by a thread, proverbially, but we are we're here. We're talking Browns, so let's uh let's do our best to educate some folks. Absolutely. And again, you know, we we love it and that's, you know, the opportunity for us to talk together about things that we love, we're interested in, we have information on all of that. Really, that's why we do it, right? It's 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 for the big bucks, it's for, you know, all the glory, but it's really because it's stuff we care about that we enjoy. So, you know, the OBR right now, it, it is interior defensive line week, Jake. And so just wanted to kind of get some initial general thoughts from you as you look at, uh, we know the Browns are expected to have Andrew Billings back. Uh, Sheldon Richardson is most likely back. Maybe there's some restructure. Maybe there's an extension on that option. Uh, and then obviously Jordan Elliott uh, with Larry Ogunjobi going into free agency could not return. As you look at where the, the Browns interior defensive line is right now, given you know the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, some of the, the AFC competition, what do you see uh, the need being, do you see it a big need, a small need, no need? Kind of what do you see when you look at where the Browns are expected to be as of, you know, the start of league year 2021? It's it's an interesting collective group. Uh, I will say you will start with with Larry. Like we've all I, I just couldn't speak more, I guess, more highly of Larry as a human being. I think he does. Some phenomenal things in the community. I've been lucky enough to talk with him a couple times and 
and just a very down to earth guy, uh, very nice person open up, talk to you about things, but I don't think he developed into the player that they hoped he would be after his first year where he had his first year and even into his second year in there in 2018, if I'm to harken back on your guys' memory, uh, his, his performance in new Orleans in week two, where he had two sacks and was dominating at the line of scrimmage. And, um, we just haven't seen enough consistency with that. We, we, we've just kind of seen an okay defensive tackle who goes stretches without making much of an impact and, and and then and then we'll have a couple flash plays here and there that show you what he could be if he could ever put it together consistently, but we have not seen that from him. So unless the price is cheap on Larry, uh, and it could be, it's a weird, it's a weird off season. It's a weird time where these middleman contracts, kind of similar to Andrew Billings, are not going to be the money's not going to be there. You know, they they cut the cap down more than it was anticipated a couple years ago. There's always going to be somebody hurt by that. It's typically the middleman. Uh, type of player and Larry's a lower middle tier uh, free agent at that position so I don't know uh, he could it all depends on what they view out there right like there's some free agents that make sense you know there's 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 a few and we'll talk about those guys uh, but if you look at between free agency where there's a couple names that are possible in the in the draft it has a couple of names at the top of the draft but it's not deep it's really not a deep position so you got to look at what you have they have Sheldon Richardson who's fine I think Sheldon has his is best suited kind of the same way Olivier Vernon was, where if Sheldon is your second best defensive tackle the way he was in Minnesota, he's going to be a part of a really good defensive line. But when he's your best defensive tackle, your uh, guy you expect to have the most disruption consistently, probably not going to get a ton out of that position. So I think Sheldon's fine. I think he's above average defensive tackle, and that's okay. Uh, you can't. The thing with the Browns' defense is we're all looking at reshaping it. You can't pay every position big money. You know, you got to just have some positions with some okay players. And you know, if your if your defensive line is next year Sheldon Richardson, who they you hope they can maybe reshape his contract to to form a way to deaden the cap hit on him a little bit. But if it's Sheldon and Andrew Billings, who I think is going to be a nice player, he's okay. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a step up from Larry. Not not a good to great defensive tie. There's a reason Cincinnati let him go, and he didn't go for higher money in free agency. He's another inconsistent type of player. But, you know, if if he has a nice year next year, mix it with Sheldon. I, I really liked some of the things Vincent Taylor provided in a depth mm-hmm. role. I thought he had flashes of nice play, good hand uh, good hand usage, good good, good uh lateral quickness uh, that I was a little bit surprised about. And he's a big body. He's a deflection guy. He's a guy who can block a kick here and there. So I liked him. And then, I, I mean, Jordan Elliott's young. I think his get-off is slow. I'm going to have him up tomorrow as the first rookie film review that we're going to have up. His get-off slow. He doesn't really have any pass rush moves. But he's another kind of solid athlete that can work well in, in, in so many teams run zone run schemes that he runs – really well down the line and can make some plays athletically. So I like their depth. I think collectively it's a pretty solid group, but they would definitely be wise to add another player at that position, whether they want to try to get you know much better by adding somebody maybe on a veteran deal like Indomitian Sioux or something like that, or if they want to try to draft a player, I think there's some interesting players at that position to draft. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting group, and I think you you hit the nail on the head, is you can't pay everybody. And I think what's interesting about interior defensive line is, obviously, we can break them down even farther into, you know, the zero and the one technique, the shades, you know, and then the three techniques, the four eyes, you know, all of those kind of things. But in general, when you talk about the interior defensive line, and I wrote a piece for the OBR, you can check it out, talking about kind of supply and demand. 
is there there just isn't a lot of those guys who are kind of that that top level. We know in free agency, you know, there's the Leonard Williams and the the Puna Fords and and a couple of those guys that maybe could be, you know, that middle top level interior defensive lineman. But like you talked about the Browns, whether it's uh, Sheldon Richardson or, you know, whoever there, there's a lot of middling prospects but it's not like there's a lot of replacement options out there. So in the draft, uh, you know, there's Barrymore. There's a, there's a few guys like you talked about, but there's there's not a lot. And so just in general kind of team building perspective for you, Jake, do you see this position as one that should and needs to be? Uh, you need that top end guy like we obviously have with Miles Garrett on the outside. We hope we have with Denzel Ward at, at cornerback. Is this an area of the defense where you feel like they need, they must have that top end guy? I don't think they must. I think every, listen, I don't think there's a ton of guys at this position that are game changers. You know, I think everybody's hunting for as many game changers as you can possibly get on the interior. We all know through data studies and different variations of quarterback answers to this question, interior pressure is the toughest to handle. I mean, it's just sheer volume of what's in your line of sight most often. That's the guys who have the, the shortest path to the quarterback. And, and like, I think you want to be, I think you have to hit a certain level at the position. I think they obviously know they have miles and they have a, a really dominant player up front at that position that, that lends the ability to move him inside occasionally too. I don't think that they need a really great interior player. Would it be nice to find one, maybe draft one? Uh, you know, what, what was it? Um, you know, Atlanta's, uh, to free agent last year. It's uh, uh, tip of my tongue. Grady, um, uh, Grady, Grady Jarrett. Like he's yeah, a fifth Grady round Jarrett. guy, fourth or fifth round guy. Like if you can, you can snubble into one down the line, you can figure out a way to pay him. Sure. But like, I don't think you necessarily have to go hunt somebody out in free agency. That is like a guy you have to pay a ton of money to. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the, the attitude they will take to it. I do think they value it. Like I could see them spending one of their day two um, picks on that position. They have three of them. I think there's some interesting guys in the round two, round three area uh, that we broke down on the YouTube channel just last week. Or well, actually, that one is tomorrow. My bad. Uh, we'll we'll break those guys down tomorrow night. Like there's some interesting players at the position. I don't think they're going to take a player at 26 at that spot. But like, I guess my point is to answer your question. If you have Miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, you you may pay another elite corner. I think you can pay four, three, four guys defensively really well. Uh, I, I think you have to look at like what sort of asset expenditure are you going to use to go get a defensive tackle? And I don't think this year, this offseason, with the way the cap is and the way the draft is short-supplied with that position, I just don't see them going crazy at defensive tackle. Now, I could be wrong. In, in, in mid-March, they could go sign Leonard Williams and spend money on the position. I'm not sure, but like I just, as we sit here at the end of February, I don't see it going that way. I think they're going to invest somewhere but I don't think they're going to go crazy. And like with the way the team can be structured, I just think they need above average to, to, to like average to above average defense tackles guys who are known more for getting after the quarterback than playing the run game. Because I think that's obviously in today's modern football, the more valuable uh, part of a game for a defensive tackle. So like, that's where I, th- I think that they have to go after some people in the middle markets in the, in the day two, early day three range and try to find that diamond in the rough and keep adding players like Jordan Elliott to see if you can hit that type of guy 
who develops into a really, really good player. And you don't have to spend a ton of assets to get that player. So that's kind of the ideal, the ideal setup, because I think they, if I sit here, Jared, and I had this conversation with Steve, like if they brought the status quo back, you know, they brought back miles, they brought back Sheldon, who they're going to bring back. They brought back Billings. Who's going to be back. You bring back Vincent Taylor, Jordan Elliott, and you bring, even if you just, had Adrian Claiborne and Porter Gustin back at defensive end is the three guys like that's immensely better than where they sit with coverage right now. Their safety position is an absolute wreck. Mm-hmm. You got Ronnie Harrison. You might have Grant Delpit back to who he was before the injury, but you don't know. And then you got Denzel Ward and a bunch of Jags at corner like Terrence, you know, Terrence Mitchell. Okay, fine. But you're probably not going to bring him back. Kevin Johnson's anemic to tackling. He's just not a slot. Like, <laughs> their coverage situation has to be the focus. I want them to bring in a defensive end. I want them to improve the interior D-line situation. But the coverage mess that is the current state of the Browns, just it's where they have to focus. So if you're looking, for my opinion, like what do they fix before anything else, before you even entertain like, hey, man, what about a wide receiver here? There's a good one sitting there. How are we addressing coverage? That has to be the most important thing because as we saw with Kansas City and as we saw multiple times with these big leads that they could just not defend anybody at the second, third level of the field, they got to cover people and they got to do it through man and they got to do it through zone and they cannot be as predictable because they have limitations in personnel. And I think that's absolutely right is, you know, the reality is, is you can only we could make up this isn't Madden, but we could make up a player or five and say, yeah, great. It'd be great if those players were available and the interior of the defensive line, because then, you know, maybe one of them will come cheap in free agency or fall late to them in 26. And but they just don't exist. And the Browns needs are elsewhere, right? And so you just can't have terrible parts of your team. You can't have, I mean, I don't mean to pick on them, but you can't have Andrew Sandejo. You can't be sitting back in, you know, cover two, cover four, cover six, whatever it is, and just letting things happen all game long. You just can't let that happen. The good news for the Browns is that coverage, uh, safety, cornerback both uh, in free agency and the draft and even the edge position is a little deeper, which should allow the Browns to be economical in their decisions. That doesn't mean they won't go big or, you know, those kind of things. But when you have Leonard Williams as the guy uh, in free agency, and maybe you have two or three, you know, in the draft that are first round picks, well, that kind of supply and demand pushes everything up. We know the Giants are kind of over a barrel with Leonard Williams. They gave up a third round pick franchise tagged him you know they've already kind of they're already kind of pot committed there so they're going to really you know match anything if they don't franchise tag you know they're going to be adding a lot of money to that contract but the reality is is the need is there at in coverage and they need to continue to always be adding players again i think grady jared's a great example of try to find players that have some skills have some abilities that you can develop and just continue to do that until you find the right mix and, and keep mixing it up as you go. But again, you're right. You cannot have that coverage weakness in the NFL, in the AFC, if you have the goals that the Browns have. And, and they, they have pretty high goals, right? Well, yeah, sure. They want to go to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's that's the next step. And like it sounds foreign to say, but they win a game and they could go into Buffalo and they could be there. So like. It's right there. They can score, and I think they'll continue to adapt different ways to score offensively. It's just for the immediate need when you play Kansas City. And, like, I'm not just looking at Kansas City and saying this. Like, 
you saw Pittsburgh come back from a deep hole. You saw Tennessee come back from a deep hole. You saw um, Cincinnati carve them up. You saw Dallas carve. It's like you can't just play off coverage all the time. You can't be a zone-based team 80% of a game, 85% of a game. You have to be able – if you watch the best teams in the league play, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl largely in part to being able to comfortably play two-man. You know, Kansas City – is 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 got to the Super Bowl this year because they played a lot of man free and a varying level of different man to man coverages and jam people at the line. Baltimore gets physical at the line. They make you work for every route you run. I mean, you have to be able to do those things. I think you have to be able to feel comfortable in giving your DBs tough assignments, making quarterbacks make tough throws, and not just sitting back and waiting and bending and bending and hoping you don't break. So I think that there has to be a large fo- look. I know there's the argument coverage pass rush, which is most important. If if one of them is significantly, and I mean significantly, worse than the other, it doesn't matter. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna prove the other to be worthless. So yeah, I think the Browns would probably prefer to have a better pass rush in general, but they have to get the coverage to a level of respectability that gives the 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 pass rush and those players you think are your best guys a at least a sliver of hope that they can get home before the football comes out. So that is what has to improve. Absolutely. And I think that that's where we're going to see that happen. Um, And, you know, we're going to get into in just a second, uh, Jake, before uh, we take a break here for pause for our sponsors and actually talk a little bit about pressure and coverage. And we know it's both, but uh, let's take a quick second to pause for our sponsors. All right, folks, and we're back. It's uh, Jared Mueller here with Jake Burns on the shared OBR podcast. So, Jake, obviously we talked about interior defensive line, which led us to talking about pass rush and coverage. And and we know it all works together, but you you take things from a quarterback perspective. It's what you were. Uh, it's what you've done. And it's really, uh, really kind of how your mind works. And so from a quarterback's perspective, we know coverage is important. We know pressure is important. But as you are playing the game and as you look at the game, you know, is one of those 1A and 1B for you if you were putting a team together or from an offensive perspective, which you wish was a little less good? So I think I think you're asking which I would prefer of the two. Um I mean, I would prefer coverage. I, I just think that, that, that coverage sticks. You know, teams can commit more people to help stop your pass rush, and they can create ways to give your pass rush issues in terms of double teams, in terms of slide, protect. I think if you can cover really well, you're going to be in the playoffs a lot. I just do. I think with the way the modern era is, is, is trending toward so much passing – you know, even more passing and, and play action deception based. I just think you have to cover more than anything else in the NFL. If you get guys that stick to people, understand the defensive scheme, teaching, processing, what they're supposed to do and can ultimately play man coverage really well. I think you have a chance to always compete in the modern league if you have a competent offense, too. So if I'm building the thing. And I've, as I sit here today and I think about where the Browns have to be for next year, I just can't preach enough the, the need to really, really, really cover effectively because I just think that it always translates. No matter who you're playing, taking wide receivers out of the game and making the quarterback's life difficult to the point where quarterbacks begin to panic and they run themselves into some sacks, mm-hmm. it's just so important, man. It's just so important. 
Absolutely. And I, you know, before the Super Bowl, uh, I know you tweeted about it a little bit is, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes is able to get the ball out of his hands quickly and no one's, you know, covering quickly early, you know, there's availability for routes opening up quick, you know, whatever it is, then it really doesn't matter if your offensive line isn't great. Well, the Chiefs offensive line was terrible, but they also did a lot of stuff in coverage um, with, with the guys that they have out there that that made it difficult. Mahomes didn't know what he was looking at at times. They ran different coverages, but they played it well, right? They were in man. They were in zone. They did have some linebackers, obviously, with Levante David and, and uh, Devin White, um, but the pass rush was able to get there as well. So it was, it was a combination of all those things, but I'm with you. The, the more we go to a passing league, uh, and the quicker uh, quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands, that means they're actually getting the ball quickly to their first or second receiver, and they're not processing and having to figure out what's going on on the opposite side of the field, all of those kind of things. Uh, so coverage is a key thing. Uh, as we kind of kind of move from the front to the back in coverage, uh, we know Joe Woods has made statements about wanting to play uh, three safety dime look in a in a lot of opportunities and and really only have one uh, linebacker on the field. As you look at uh, the, the let's start with the positives. The positives of being able to to start at, or play three safeties on a regular basis. We know right now you already hit on it, Ronnie Harrison. Listen, we saw some good. We saw some concerns. He has some injury history. Jacksonville was willing to let him go for a fifth-round pick. He's a free agent after this year. Grant Delpit fell to the second round. Concerns about tackling. Um, and now an Achilles injury. We're not going to assume anything. Um, we know that that can be a very difficult injury for explosive players to come back from. So we know the Browns currently have have maybe one safety for sure in Ronnie Harrison. But the idea of having three safeties, what are the positives for a defense when you're able to to run out three safeties, especially in this passing league? Well, through the right three safeties, you have the ability to play both phases of the game without losing anything, right? If you have a guy like, um, you know, like Ronnie and a, and a version of Ronnie and uh, somebody like Javon Holland or Trevon Morig, like those guys are adaptable. Uh, they can play sort of the down box positions. They can cover in space. They can cover curl flat. Uh, they can they can do a bunch of different things. And the advantage is that, like, you don't have to pluck people off the field all the time. You don't have to have a bunch of sub packages, which means you don't have to teach as many guys. You you have versatility and ro- rotating coverages because you have three guys on the football field who are comfortable playing deep coverage, who have done it before, who understand it. It means moving guys around all the time so that quarterbacks don't get comfortable with where teams are lining up. Uh, it's it's such it's such a benefit. Um, it, 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 I can't quite say how difficult it is for quarterbacks to, to kind of identify all the time <laughs> where guys are <laughs> and you don't, you don't know what the look of it's going to be. And that's what makes like Jeremiah Wusu, uh, uh, Kormoa is interesting. The Notre Dame kid is like, he's the ideal Rover. Like if you want to, some teams call that like a Rover, some teams call it a Viper. I've teams call it a monster. Ba- I've, I've heard it called a bunch of different names. Like it's just like a, it's a hybrid role. It's a guy, a guy who, that can do a lot of things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a guy who you feel comfortable playing slot coverage It's a guy who feel comfortable playing curl flat hook zones, a guy who can run with a tight end, a guy who can step in the box and also play a traditional like will or Sam position as a linebacker. So that's like the guy you want in modern football. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to target, you know, necessarily linebackers and give them a bunch of, your assets, it makes sense that like that is a position that you should try to get more out of and you should try to find a player who can do more. And that's why I feel like Carmo is like a 
he's he's got safety to his game. Like he's a safety version of a linebacker. Like he can do those things. That's what makes him an interesting player and one that if they spent that guy a a pick on that guy twenty six, it's not like they're picking a traditional linebacker. He can do a bunch of stuff. He can step up and play the run. So like the benefit is flexibility. The benefit is being able. You know what's interesting is Kevin Stefanski talked at the beginning of the year and people love the quote. And it's not a quote that's on. It's not a foreign quote or anything. But like. You know, he said he wanted to get teams in base as often as possible because teams don't practice in base a ton. They practice in different versions of uh, nickel and dime and different exotic looks because that's where they can go crazy. They can do a bunch of different blitzes. They can they can simulate pressures. They can bring guys and walk guys up and sugar the A-gaps and bail out and confuse protection and quarterbacks about where guys are. That's what they want to do. They want to get creative. They don't want to sit in base, you know, a 4-3 or 3-4 base, have all those people in the box, and you can't get real creative there. You can't do a bunch of different exotic stuff. So, like... That's a great point from Stefanski, and what defenses are trying to do is find guys who are comfortable not only playing in nickel, air quote, nickel, dime defenses, but are part of comfortable, comfortable, uh, being comfortable playing in against a base personnel group from an offense, you know, which is uh, a 12 personnel or 21 personnel, heavy tight ends, 13 even. If you can get guys that can do that all the time, then you still have the flexibility in your defense to call exotic things against teams that want to do heavier personnel groups because you don't lose anything defending the run with those guys. So those guys are not easy to find. Obviously they're, (laughs) they're really not. And um, teams are trying to find as many hybrid looks as possible. And they're trying to get as many defensive backs on the field as, as well, or guys who can play like a defensive back. So uh, that's, that's the benefit of that type of player. And that's really, in my opinion, why they want to do as many nickel dime looks or uh, four two five looks, whatever you want to label it as. They they want to do that stuff because you can get creative and your best athletes are on the field at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, uh, Steven and I have talked about, and it's been over the last year, just talked about, you know, the one guy, if if I had to draft somebody to stop Lamar Jackson, stop is obviously an, an interesting word, but stop Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes, I think that guy for me, maybe it's Aaron Donald, but really, it's it's a player like Derwin James, right? It's that guy. It's big. It's fast. It's rangy. It's the guy that can do a lot of things. Obviously, his injury history and all that stuff. He's somebody I would invest a lot of resources in if he ever became available. Uh, but that's really what they might have been hoping they could get a version of that out of Grant Delpit. Uh, that's why, like you talked about, um, you know, Akoramura. I'm terrible with names uh, from Notre Dame, uh, you know, why he might fit into that. He's not a traditional linebacker. You know, the Patriots have done that for years where, you know, they have people playing a variety of positions. You know, they have corners playing safety. They've had linebackers playing safety. They've, they've had players all over the place. But to answer, you know, that need for, you know, you have to be able to stop the most dynamic thing the other team can do you just have to be able to do that and a lot of these teams can do it again like you talked about out of big you know out of spread out of a lot of different situations and again we want to we need to be able to stop the most dynamic plays those big plays and so to do that you have to have speed you have to have that versatility and then using that to maybe stop the less dynamic plays the inside runs you know those kind of things and hope that your defensive line can hold up. And, and, and again, that's in the best case scenario, right? So two versions of Ronnie Harrison and, and a, and a true free safety or something like that, you know, Marcus Williams or, you know, whoever Justin Simmons is the best in free agency. There's a lot of possible options out there, but again, that's best case scenario. When you look at where the Browns are now and where maybe even they could be, what are some of the possible negatives of, of trying to run out three safeties and, and what, what kind of, 
uh, adjustments could you see from offenses as that becomes more and more popular? Well, I mean, mismatches. I mean, safeties who can't cover as well, guys who they could put slot quicker slot uh, wide receivers in, in place and take advantage of those guys trying to play post, trying to play uh, hook zone, trying to play different things. Uh, they can take advantage of those guys trying to be in man coverage or trying to cover a void. That's a big thing. If a guy's not adept at playing both things, they're going to go after him. Like, you know, if 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 you if you have a third safety on the field and you 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 get in base personnel and they're not rotating that safety off the field and he doesn't play the run game well, they're just going to run at him. So that's the thing. That's kind of harkening back to uh, what I said earlier. You know, in terms of uh, of of what that flexibility gives you if you have the right players. There's not enough of those guys, and and if you can't do one of the two things really well, teams are going to find a way to put you in a position. You know, I saw. A really interesting article about Matt Canada, which said, you know, that, that, that what they look for is Waldo in defenses. Where's Waldo? Mm-hmm. Where's the weakness? And if you can find, if you are trotting, I should say, if you are trotting out a third safety like Sheldrick Redwine, who is a consistent problem for your coverage, then they're going to find him. You know, they're just going to find that person often. So if, if you're playing three safeties, they have to be good above all else. This sounds stupid, but they have to be good. You know, they have to be your third. They have to be one of your five best defensive backs to play them all the time. Because if not, and you're sitting a third corner on the sideline while you have this safety on the field, what the hell's the point? So you have to have that guy be your fifth best player in the secondary. So that sounds stupid, but it's simple. You always want to play your best guys. So can you find one player who does the role of? playing the pass and run evenly well, that's what teams are trying to really find. That's what they want. They want those safeties that if they're going to use an extra safety on the field, they're going to walk a guy up. Can he defend the run if they run at him? If they put him in deep coverage, deep ha- can he play half-field coverage and cover two? You know, can he play odd coverage? Can we roll him to center field and he's comfortable playing that position? That's what Ronnie and Grant, I think, can be good at. I think they're flexible in that position. And that's why, like, if you can go get Marcus Williams or you can go get uh, Anthony Harris or you draft somebody like Javon Holland or Trevon Morg or one of those guys, Andre Sisco, like, those players can do some of those things. So, like, I think Ronnie can be a little bit of a hybrid guy. I think he's got that ability. And Grant proved that he can play slot coverage. He can walk and play tight ends. He can defend the run as an edge support guy every now and again. Not a great tackler, but often his tackling issues in his last year at LSU were in space. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if he's attacking you and he's comfortable where he's at, he's a pretty good tackler. So, like, they want the flexibility. and, And I think that they're going to try to pursue getting that flexibility. So I'm excited to see what they do with the safety spot. It, and for me, it's it's been a thing for so long. Like some people get really focused on different positions in, in the NFL. For me, it has been free safety. Yeah, you know whether it's the Buddha Bakers of the world or when I thought Malik Hooker would really you know take out half the field or whatever. You know, for me, it's been such a desire to see the Cleveland Browns have a free safety uh, that can do a lot of things. And so. I'm not sure Delpit is ever going to really be that true free safety, but if they're able to bring that that player in uh, and then have the versatility of a Delpit and a Ronnie Harrison, you know that for me that that's one of the most exciting things to watch in the NFL. Uh, again, I think it's why I'm drawn to a player like a Derwin James uh, with his versatility and all that he can do. So I'm really I'm with you. I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to the possibility that they're going to invest in that area. And so Jake, as we as we kind of look to wrap up. Uh, for tonight at least when you see kind of what's available and then we're not we're not predicting anything for 
for certain. But when you see what's available in free agency and in the draft and, and you understand what the Browns want to do with Joe Woods and, and all of that on the defensive side of the ball, you know, what are your expectations at this point in time for this defense? Do you expect them to add, you know, one starter in free agency and then try to go in the draft? You know, do you think they'll go two or three? You know, what do you just kind of what do you expect? What are you hoping to see from the Browns realistically this offseason to at least move this defense from poor to average, hopefully? Yeah, I'll probably gear this more toward what I'm hoping. It's tough to know what to expect, but I, I think I'm hoping that they sign a couple different things ahead of the draft. Like pick pick a couple things. OK, like. You want to go into the draft with a need, in my opinion, at two positions because I think you can really mm-hmm. address them. I think you can address edge in, in the draft really well, and I think you can address safety. I think you can get a corner, but I don't always feel all too comfortable relying on rookie corners. So, like, I I could be fine probably taking a corner there too, but I want them to address some of these things in free agency. Go I'll start with the caveat of I expect them to uh, – the only thing I do expect them to do is sign some guys again to one-year deals. I think they'll be heavily active in the one-year deal market the way they were last year, trying to find some people that can hold it down until the cap jumps back up to where they think it'll go, rest of the league thinks it'll go. But I want them to be aggressive in some sort of starter role for somebody. I think if that's going out and signing Trey Hendrickson, a guy who I'm very interested in as a defense fan, or J.J. Watt, who's still floating out there, the Browns put it out. And this is an OBR podcast, so I'm comfortable saying this now. This has been out there for a while. But what I tweeted about today is they're willing to pay top dollar for him. That means they really want him. And it also means that they value fixing their edge opposite miles. So I think that they'll go sign somebody at that position, possibly. They could. I hope they do. Or draft somebody. Aziz Lajari is a very good player. There's a ton of defensive end options that are fascinating. Like I said, the kid from Georgia, I think Gregor Rousseau is a fascinating mm-hmm. prospect. That's a position that they could draft. Uh, I think there are options there. So they could sign somebody or draft somebody, one of the two. Expect them to do so. Safety, I'm all about Marcus Williams because he's only 25. Had four <laughs> fantastic seasons for the for the, for the the Saints in big games. He's seen big games. He's seen big moments. Uh, I expect him to get paid pretty well on the open market, and I hope Cleveland's active and pursues him. If not, Anthony Harris draws my eye. I can be, I can be fine as well with John Johnson. From the Rams, who I think had a nice, a nice season uh, you know, last year and has come along really nicely for them as a defensive leader as well, uh, doing a lot of different things, communicating for them. So I'm, I'm interested in John Johnson, uh, but there's safeties and defensive ends to be had. There's not a great cornerback free agency market uh, in terms of outside corners, but I'm very, very interested in signing a slot. I think they have to get a nickel guy they like, whether that's Brian Poole, whether that's Mike Hilton, whether that's. Um, uh, Nickel Roby Coleman. There's some options at slot safety that I think that are sorry, slot corner that I think they should pursue and try to sign somebody at that position because I don't think Kevin Johnson is the answer. So I expect them to improve all those things and then go into the draft with a clear plan that's going to sort of meet the need that they have at 26 because there are good defensive ends at 26. In my opinion, there's some options there. There's the the flexibility of, like I said, Carmo earlier, if he's there. And then you also have some safeties, Javon Moore, Javon Holland, Andre Sisco, to name just a few. And then you have uh, good corners that could possibly be there too. as like a J.C. Horn, uh, Melifonwu out of Syracuse. There are guys to be had. So like they have to get a couple corners, one inside, one outside, in my opinion. You have to get... Uh, you know, you have to get a defensive end opposite of miles. And then in my opinion, you certainly have to improve safety and the free agency market really catches my eye as safety. So uh, I, I just expect them to improve those spots. Look, a lot of people want to chat about linebacker. I, I just don't expect that. I expect them to bring BJ Goodson back. I expect them to give Jacob Phillips a lot of runs. Sione Takitaki's developing. 
they're going to probably keep Mac a uh, Mac for another year, and then they'll probably <laughs> add another young or sorry another cheap contract to that position. And just keep trying to get better, and and maybe draft a guy in round three, four, five that that can be a potential down the road player. They like Jacob Phillips, but he's very raw. Didn't see enough snaps for me last year to get any positive conclusions one way or the other on him. We'll see what that comes, and I'm glad that B.J. Goodson can be there to help that position to bring along Jacob. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm optimistic if they improve those two corners an end and uh, and definitely and definitely go get a safety or maybe even two safeties to draft a guy and sign a guy and then try to also find some way to, to bring in somebody, whether free agency on a one-year deal or a mid-round pick on a, on a defensive tackle as well. I think that would be nice to see too. And, you know, the reality is, is after last year, we can only assume that Andrew Barry wants to be aggressive as well, um, that he will double up on positions if he needs to. And so the idea of, of signing a Marcus Williams and drafting, um, you know, whether it's the safety out of USC, you know, in the second, third or fourth round, you know, wherever that happens, seeing them double up, you know, even a J.J. Watt and drafting a Gregory Rousseau. And then you can move Watt and, and Rousseau and, and Miles Garrett inside, outside, you know, do a lot of things. But, Jake, I, I love the idea of, you know, again, adding a safety, uh, adding at least one veteran cornerback because you're right, rookie cornerbacks. Uh, you know, are a little concerning at times uh, and then obviously drafting, uh, adding edge. And then at some point in time, you have to continue to add big guys. And and so, you know, the reality is that they spend almost everything of their assets on defense. Yes, we want them to add some speed on the outside and wide receiver. Uh, yes, they could add here and there to different pieces on the offense. But the reality is, is they have an opportunity to, you know, accelerate the defensive uh, prowess. And in the end, that raises the level of the Browns overall. Get into the playoffs, have a solid team, be healthy, and you never know what is going to happen. And so a lot of things to be excited about. The franchise tag window open today. Uh, we don't expect anything from that over the next few days, at least, as they're still trying to figure out what the salary cap's going to be. Uh, and then, you know, in the middle of March, we open up the league year and we get to work and we see what happens. And and does Andrew Barry and company make a splash? Thank you, Jake, for stopping by uh, this shared podcast uh, with me. Always a good time uh, chatting with you, brother. Hey, my pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And folks, thanks for stopping by this OBR combined podcast. You can follow me at Jared K. Mueller on Twitter. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You can follow Jake at Jake underscore Burns 18. And as always, make sure you're following along at the OBR and the OBR.com. Again, it is interior defensive line week. We have a lot of interesting things coming up. Just a little uh, little teaser uh, for a piece that I have put together uh, looking at, you know, what it takes and what should we be looking at uh, for in interior defensive line uh, players coming out in the draft and what's the difference between one that's going to be really successful and maybe one that's not. So you can look forward to that later in the week. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. As always, make sure you take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime.